the mere rise of Abu Bakr on the throne of the Caliphate made it not a divine just state anymore. It made it uh, become a state that is ruled by the devil. When Abu Bakr uh, received the Pledge of Allegiance from the people, the first person whom pledged allegiance to him was this old man who was so supremely excited and happy uh, by that fact, and the narrations reveal him uh, to be none other than Iblis. My dear brother and companion, Dr. Afan. Thank you for joining me again. Thanks for having me on again. So today we want to talk about uh, the necessity of the coming of Imam al-Mahdi. What is his mission? And uh, we would like to kind of uh, examine that uh, from the collective narrations of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad and uh, under the light of the scripture and the stories of the prophets and the messengers. Okay. Okay. So uh, in Islamic eschatology, there is this character who's called the Mahdi, who's prophesied to have come or to come in the end times. Yeah. And uh, he's a descendant of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Sunnis, the Shia, all schools of thought uh, in Islam believe in him. And uh, his message is, and, and, and his mission is of the utmost importance, okay? Because uh, the, his message and his mission is supposed to be the culmination of all of the efforts of the prophets and the messengers from the time of Adam all the way to the time of the Prophet Muhammad and beyond the, the, the life of the Imams, peace be upon them. Right. Okay, so regardless of the concept of the multiplicity of the Mahdi's, uh, how many they are, and uh, who is the Mahdi who actually establishes uh, the divine just state, the one who also is is labeled as the riser, we want to focus on what is the mission of the Mahdi. Okay, so uh, this establishment of a divine just state, and why is it important? Uh, so basically, the the idea in Islam uh, and in the narrations is that from the time of Adam, when he disobeys, uh, you know, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and he kind of exits out of the Garden of Eden, he goes from uh, being the head of a divine just state. Uh, he goes from being appointed by God uh, as that ruler, uh, as that chief uh, in command, the one whom has the authority to name all things, and the one whom uh, takes after the garden, takes after the uh, you know, takes care of the of the planet Earth, kind of like that custodian of God's green Earth, mm. um, to. Uh, and, and being, uh, you know, in a in a state of harmony and love and justice, where God is present and He's walking in it alongside Adam and Eve, to uh, exiting out into a dark state, a state of injustice, um, you know, a place of tyranny and oppression and darkness, right? Mm-hmm. With the, uh, you know, place outside of the presence of God, and uh, even though God. Uh, forgives Adam, but now he has this task 
of you know uh, basically multiplying and filling the earth up with his descendants and establishing from anew a divine just state right okay because now there's a rebellion there's a war there's satan and his descendants whom are actively rebelling against the state and now adam and all of his descendants have this mission of kind of the restoration of order right, right? right. and and the restoration of order means what well, means god's laws god's appointed ruler um, is the one whom is ruling the government, uh, running the affairs of the planet or running the affairs of the state versus uh, what we see happening. And that is that the children uh, of the devil and those who follow the devil consistently want to take power and establish their own state with their own rules. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so Adam uh, Cain uh, slays Abel. Cain is a child of the devil. Uh, Abel is a child of Adam. And this theme repeats itself where uh, the unappointed ruler kills the appointed ruler, you know, and makes himself a ruler. And we find that Cain starts establishing and building these great cities. Um, you know, one of them being the city of Enoch, which he names after his son, Enoch, the son of Cain. And uh, he appoints himself as, as kind of a ruler over these, uh, these cities and these territories. And then uh, after that, there's these two bloodlines that are formed, right? Uh, a bloodline of successors to Adam and a bloodline of successors to the devil. Right. Okay, yes. and each one of them in the kind of Game of Thrones are 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 uh, you know fighting over power, and then uh, God wipes out all of the oppressors because they they're essentially winning. They take control of the entire Earth, right? And nobody is left on the entire planet that believes in the supremacy of God, that believes in God's divine just state, His government. Uh, nobody is giving credence to that idea of the rulership and kingship uh, of God Almighty and which is so much stressed in the in the holy books uh, whether it's the Quran when he says in Khalifa verily I'm the one who appoints uh, you know in the earth a successor or a king or a caliph uh, or in the in the Torah in the in the Bible where where uh, you know God gets uh, so offended because of the Israelites even suggesting that uh, somebody else be a ruler uh, besides he who um, you know, uh, God has appointed. Right. Okay, and so uh, God gives uh, the earth a second chance, and Noah now has to repopulate the earth and is kind of has the same mission that, uh, you know, Adam has, which is to establish this divine just state. But things get really bad, and, and once again, uh, evil takes over. And then you have, um, you know, Nimrod and, 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 uh, and Pharaoh and all of these people repeating in the same footsteps as, mm -hmm. um, you know, as Cain before, trying to take authority and take over uh, power in the land. Right. The successors, the prophets and the messengers, the entire time that they're here, they're trying to establish a state. Okay? Mm -hmm. And we see this taking place. God is promising Abraham a land, you know, from the from the Nile to the Euphrates. Right. He's saying that this is the land that I promised to you and your descendants. Who is he and his descendants? The ones that have a covenant with God, the one that the ones that accept God's 
laws and abide by God's laws and adhere and pledge allegiance to the person whom God has appointed in the land, right? Right. And those who accept Abraham, those who accept Isaac, right? And each one of them is, you know, passing on the Holy Spirit uh, to the successor that is chosen after them uh, by the Almighty, right? But none of them, if you notice, none of them. Uh, Adam loses the Garden of Eden. Noah, um, you know, the land, is, the earth is taken over and again by evil people. And and uh, he's unable to really establish, uh, you know, a true state. Abraham is incapable of uh, establishing a state and Adam and Noah and Abraham, all three of them are also busied with this idea of multiplying and kind of like creating a nation to begin with. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then you come to the time of Moses, Moses, he has a population of 600,000. There's 600,000 believers that are, that are with him. That's enough people to establish the state, but they're disobedient. They don't listen to him. They don't give him his, his true rights. And they're always rebelling and, and, you know, and complaining and whining and angering God. And so they're, they're not qualified to become a nation and they're forbidden from entering into the promised land until that generation dies off for the most part. And a new generation enters into the promised land alongside with Joshua, son of Nun, right? Right. And then finally, uh, the state of Israel is uh, established, but the whole history of that state is filled with betrayals and treachery to God and the killing of the vicegerents of God and the appointment of kings and non-working scholars that were not appointed uh, by God. And you see them, um, you know, doing that over and over again, whether it's after the, um, you know, in the time of, of, of uh, you know, Saul and David, where, there, where Saul's attacking David, and then after uh, David and, and, you know, and he passes the kingship on to Solomon, the whole kingdom breaks into uh, two, and there's the, uh, you know, the state of Israel and the state of Judah, and they're uh, fighting against uh, one another, and uh, each one has their own king, and then they introduce the worship of, uh, you know, foreign gods and false entities, and they're worshiping the golden calf uh, once again, and uh, this leads to God sending enemies against Israel, um, you know, and punishing them and scattering them uh, amongst the uh, amongst the land. And uh, then it climaxes where it gets to the time of Jesus, where they have rulers over them that are so immoral and lewd and tyrannical and that are appointed by the Roman Empire and by the Jewish people and are not appointed by God. Uh, people like the, the likes of King Herod, who wants to kill the babies in the land, uh, you know, out of fear that the uh, Messiah is going to be born. And, uh, you know, straight up enemies of God that are beheading uh, the prophets of God like John the Baptist and they're ruled over and their religion uh, and the opinion on religion is taken from uh, these rabbis that are stoning, um, you know, the prophets of God like Zechariah, uh, you know, in the, in, the, uh, in the temple or in the courtyard of the temple. And, and 
Yeah, so it's it's really, really bad. And Jesus the Messiah comes and he has this mission of establishing a divine just state like all those who came before him. Um, but he's And he's supposed to be the one that does it, but he's incapable of doing it. And he ends up uh, being arrested and you know, everybody knows the rest of that story, right? And then the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu comes and the covenant switches from the Israelites to the Arabs, right? And, and the entire world, it becomes a worldwide covenant where anybody under the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and his family that accepts this concept, this notion of the supremacy of God will be saved. And Muhammad succeeds thereby making him um, you know, the best of the prophets mm -hmm. and the messengers in establishing a state right. where he is the head of it. And uh, that state, though, doesn't last for very long, but he does succeed in establishing it. And he becomes the king over um, the people. He becomes, uh, you know, the 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 coming of Adam once again, right? In the Garden of Eden, uh, you know, but the perfect Adam and that doesn't uh, disobey God. And uh, Muhammad sallallahu raises the law of God and that becomes the law of the land. Uh, it's a state where there's justice, equity, harmony, right? Um, but it's a short stay, it doesn't last very long, and uh, they are under constant attack by the enemies, and uh, it is limited to a certain region. It's a very small state, but nonetheless, they have tens of thousands of citizens. Uh, by some narrations, it's like 70,000 citizens by the time of his death. Right, okay. Okay. Then what happens is that after him, the Muslims, they attack, um, you know, the structure of successorship, um, the structure of succe succession uh, after the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, the Prophet Muhammad um, ends up being murdered and um, he passes away. And uh, the, the successors whom he appointed uh, have no chance um, because they are instantly uh, arrested and forced to um, accept the, the handing over of the succession of the Prophet Muhammad and the kingship of the state towards, uh, you know, two people that were not appointed, uh, whom were Abu Bakr and Amr, and then after that, Uthman. And the mere... Uh, the mere rise of Abu Bakr on the throne of the Caliphate uh, made it made it not a divine just state anymore. It made it uh, become the Muslim state become a state that is ruled by the devil. And in fact, uh, there's narrations from the Ahl Bayt that state that when Abu Bakr uh, received the Pledge of Allegiance from the people, the first person whom pledged allegiance to him was this old man who was so supremely excited and happy uh, by that fact. And the narrations reveal him uh, to be none other than Iblis, that uh, Lucifer was the, the first one whom uh, pledges allegiance and congratulates Abu Bakr because... 
and he's so happy because now um, you know it's no longer the rule of God in the land, but the rule of the devil himself. So the appointment of Abu Bakr is equivalent to the appointment of Iblis. It is it is Iblis who first pledges allegiance to Abu Bakr because it is Iblis whom appoints Abu Bakr. You know, uh, other narrations they mention that the first one who pledges allegiance to the Mahdi is Gabriel, right? Because Gabriel is from God, and so this is the appointment of God. Or when the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes down upon Jesus, right? He's the first to pledge allegiance because this is the appointment of God. All right. Then the Umayyad Caliphate, right, which which begins after, um, you know, Uthman when he starts appointing his relatives and then it goes to Muawiyah, uh, Ibn Abi Sufyan, and then it goes to Yazid, and then it goes to all of the other Umayyad uh, Caliphs after that, which were really uh, the descendants of the enemies of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. And um, uh, it becomes a false state. Uh, which God declares himself innocent of, and Muhammad and the family of Muhammad uh, declare themselves innocent of, and there are uh, a plethora of narrations that basically state that the Bani Umayya is the cursed tree in the Quran. And so it's a it's a cursed government, it's a cursed empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The entire empire is cursed, uh, with the exception of the period that Ali ibn Abi Talib, alayhi salam, ruled for four years. Other than that, um, all of those leaders uh, had the curse of God upon them and uh, they were uh, usurpers of the caliphate. Um, after that, the Bani Labbas uh, pop into the picture and they are kind of wanting to overthrow the Bani Umayya and claim rulership for themselves. And they do so in such a clever way. The Bani Al-Abbas are the children of Al-Abbas. Al-Abbas is, is who? He's the relative of the Prophet Muhammad So they deceive the Muslims by kind of, uh, you know, raising this banner of the family of the Prophet, right? And Invoking the bloodline. Yeah, exactly. Invoking the bloodline and they deceive the Muslims. The Muslims uh, pledge allegiance to them and uh, they start to rule, but they are not handing over the rulership to the divinely appointed imams that that whose names are mentioned in the will of the Prophet Muhammad, but rather, uh, you know, uh, they are ruling themselves. So it became kind of like the rule of the cousins of the of the uh, children of Ali ibn Abi Talib Ali so. mm, right. And in that also there became no there was no difference between them and the Bani Umayya. It was another cursed chapter in the history of Islam. Uh, it was an illegitimate empire that God and his messenger are completely innocent of. And then uh, after that, uh, there was the chapter of the, uh, you know, Ottoman Empire. And then obviously you had in between all these little breakaway faction uh, states, the Fatimid Empire in, in Egypt and, and other places. And then, you know, but uh, there was no grand empire that lasted for a very long time, um, like the Umayyads, the Abbasids and the Ottomans, right? And then the Ottomans, they rule uh, for a very long time, and they're also not appointed by God, and uh, the curse of God is upon them, and it's a very dark uh, period. And even though Islam spread 
during those three empires, um, it spread in the totally wrong way and a corrupted uh, masque form of Islam was propagated uh, throughout the region and throughout the lands and uh, Islam was spread by the sword and not by uh, you know it the the uh, the attractiveness of its message or not because of the uh, the truth that it held and um, and so the prophet Muhammad and his family were oppressed during that entire time it's very interesting the way you portrayed the whole story of mankind from Cain and Abel downward. It's been a tug of war and Satan's been dominating up until even the Prophet Muhammad, when he laid that first foundation stone, he came and scattered it again. So, uh, yeah, it's been a story and uh, Satan's been winning. Yeah, indeed, Satan's been winning. And then, and, and so all of this necessitates, yeah, the fulfillment of the promise of God, because God knew and he told the Prophet Muhammad and the Prophet Muhammad knew during his lifetime that after him, the, his state that he established would not, um, you know, would not last and that it would be usurped. And the, the empire which he sought to build uh, would collapse and be stolen by other people. And uh, that's why he saw these this vision in the famous hadith where he saw these apes that were jumping on his member after him. And he was told that these are the uh, Bani Umayya um, that were going to use, usurp his place um, after him. And uh, that's why there's so many narrations where the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu you know, is informing Fatima about what would happen to her children after her. And... Uh, you know, and now I had the Prophet Muhammad prophesizing that there, you know, if there was only one day left in the earth, that God would stretch it to such a length that there would be a man from his sons uh, who would come, whose name and the name of his father would be similar to his name and the name of his father, and that he would rule over, uh, you know, an, uh, an empire uh, once again uh, that is based on the supremacy of God. And uh, he would establish Islam anew, just like the Prophet Muhammad established it uh, the first time, he would establish it a second time. And so uh, there's this strong relationship between the Mahdi and between the Prophet Muhammad. The Mahdi is seen as kind of a second coming of the Prophet Muhammad, where he has to carry out the exact same mission mm -hmm. that the Prophet Muhammad had in the very beginning, which is the establishment of the supremacy of God and the establishment of an empire, of a state of justice where the person who's at the head of the state is a descendant of the Prophet Muhammad and is ruling by the, um, the laws of, of God. No, it's like it's really interesting um, that Prophet Muhammad, who after all of these uh, men from God came from Adam, Abraham, Noah, all of them were unable to establish the state. And when the Prophet Muhammad finally did come and he laid the, the foundation for a state that is a divine just state, uh, which is the goal, as you mentioned, of all the prophets and messengers, uh, no one from the successors that he had appointed, other than Ali bin Abi Talib, for those few years, was able to assume the throne. And this, 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 this game of thrones, as you aptly called it, was 
dominated by uh, those people who were selected by Iblis and uh, the fruit they bear is clear to see in history. I mean, nobody would say the Umayyads were moral uh, rulers uh, by any shape or form. And uh, uh, I think it just further emphasizes the need for uh, the coming of the Mahdi. Uh, wow. And we're going to go into, um, Dr. Afen, in, in many episodes where we need to really wake the Muslims up. They, they need to wake up and they need to, um, you know, um, arise from their slumber, from this coma uh, that they're in, where they think that everything was rosy and nice. Um, after the Prophet Muhammad passed away, uh, the Muslims, all these great companions, you know, so-called great companions, uh, some of them were great, most of them were not, mm. most of them were horrible human beings. Um, they split into two factions, two groups, and they warred against one another. Uh, each and every one of them was slicing the throat of the other one and beheading them and raping each other's women and doing horrible, horrific acts, abominations, and um, they hated one another. That's that's the truth and that's the fact. And most of them uh, disbelieved in the Prophet Muhammad. It was a total chaotic scene after the death of the Prophet Muhammad and all of the hypocrisy came out um, after that and the rulership of God was lost. And the Umayyads were filthy, mm-hmm. absolute filth. And they had committed so many horrific acts, everything from, you know, they didn't even care about Islam anymore. And there's even narrations that state where, you know, for example, Yazid, the one whom uh, uh, commanded the the massacre of Karbala, where Imam al-Hussein was killed. There's narrations that state where that he's openly saying, you know, there was no revelation that came down on the Prophet Muhammad. These people from the Bani Hashim, they were just playing around with kingship and rulership. They made up this story in order to rule us, uh, O Arabs. And, and, and then they were kind of, um, you know, encouraging one another uh, to, uh, to, you know, to rebel and to, and to uh, keep that state, right? They wanted to continue to, to rule over the Arabs, right, in the name of Islam. And they knew that they needed this religious cover, right. you know, or else the masses would rebel. So they wanted to keep it, but they wanted to strip away um, the people whom were really appointed uh, by God, you know? Mm. And uh, and uh, the the establishment of the divine just state by the Mahdi is a ruler. It's a it's a, it's a return of the rulership of God. Mm. You, you know how in the Quran, uh, you know, it says that God sits on His throne. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, mo- many many of the Muslims, most of the Muslims, I would imagine, they think that you know the throne of God is uh, you know is this physical thing that's up in the heavens above in the sky, and that God literally sits on it. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people have this uh, corrupt uh, understanding, but in in reality, the the throne of God. Uh, you know, are the are the are the Mahdi's? The throne of God are the you know the throne of God is the is the 
is the divinely appointed caliph. He is the seat for the spirit of God, whereby God rules, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the throne is Muhammad and the family of Muhammad. And that's why uh, the, the narration state that when Adam looked up at the throne, he saw their names that were written on there, you know, because they are the throne. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, the, the, the word Allah, I mean, it's, it's not even referring to, this is a controversial one, but it's the truth. Uh, the word Allah is not even referring to um, the absolute uh, divine entity. It's not even referring to the absolute creator or the, or the, or the one God. The one God is Huwa. He, the I am, Allahu la ilaha illa huwa. Allah, there is no God except for He, right? Uh, Allah is a is is the manifestation of the divine attributes and the divine names. Who is Allah? Allah is Allah is Ar Rahman Ar Rahim, Al Malik Al Qudus, right? Allah is Adam. Allah is Abraham, Allah is Noah, Allah is Jesus, Allah is Moses, Allah is Muhammad, Allah is Ali, Allah is Al-Sadiq, Al-Baqir, Al-Askari, Al-Qazim. He is, God is the spirit that is ruling on earth, that is living from the time of Adam all the way until the very end, who never dies and never gives birth to anybody. He's one, but he has many names, many names that he's veiled behind. And those names that he's veiled behind are those divinely appointed successes or kings who were meant to rule the earth, you know, as inheritors to Adam. Right. Yes. Okay, so the mission of Imam al-Mahdi is to ensure that that Holy Spirit that was first blown into Adam and continued to walk on the earth behind the names of the various prophets and messengers and caliphs that were on the earth, that that Holy Spirit, right, which is God in creation, the light of God shining or the Spirit of God manifesting in creation, it that it's 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 the job of the Mahdi to ensure that he is able to rule once again. All right. And it's not about a particular set of laws. Uh, it's all about just obeying any laws that are given by the successor of God, because he's the one whom has the spirit in him. Any laws or any directives that are given by the Mahdi, they are as if they are given by the Prophet Muhammad. And any words that come from the Prophet Muhammad, they are words that are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the Holy Quran says, and what the messenger gives you, take it. And what he forbids you from, you know, abandon it. And and the Quran also says that it's nothing but holy inspiration, right? The wahi that, that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the words of Muhammad are the words of God. And the narrations from the Ahl Bayt say that the Mahdi is from him. And they say that praying 
praying behind the Mahdi is the same as praying behind Rasulullah because the spirit that was with Muhammad is with the Mahdi. Right. And even the du'as from the Ahl Bayt, you know, uh, they state that very clearly and they make du'a that God is enforcing the Mahdi, the Qa'im in particular, with his angels and with the uh, Holy Spirit and to grant him this and this and this and this and this, right? Uh, which are all the, the the same things which are granted to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa or granted to every prophet and messenger from, uh, you know, from before. Uh, so uh, that, in short, is the mission uh, that the Mahdi has, and the Mahdi follows in the footsteps as as the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi and he has to come out and he has to identify himself very clearly. And the narrations from the Ahl Bayt say, "No, by Allah, this matter uh, that you are looking forward to will never happen until he's the one whom." Um, you know, comes out and basically establishes the proof upon you, and he's the one whom whom reveals himself in the same way that he's unknown, and he's the one who reveals himself in the same way that Joseph was unknown by his brothers until he's the one who came out and said, "Hey, I'm Joseph." Right? Mm -hmm. The Mahdi does the same thing, and the Mahdi has a period where he is calling towards the supremacy of God. A lot of people, they're confused about this and they say that the Mahdi never claims to be the Mahdi or they think that the Mahdi is just going to appear overnight and that everybody should just sit there twiddling their thumbs, waiting for an army with the Mahdi to appear. Where does this army come from? Does it come right. from the heavens above more? It comes from people that hear the message of the Mahdi and they become attracted to him and they join him and they are that first group of people uh, that do so. Right, And it is the obligation of every single Muslim that once he hears that the Mahdi is here, that he has to travel to him, even if it's to crawl over ice. He has to physically be with him. If he's not physically with the Mahdi, then he has fallen short on his duty and his obligation towards the Mahdi. This is one of the things which is really important. And, um, you know, it's not upon the Mahdi to uh, ensure that they're the ones that come to him. Rather, it's the duty of every single uh, Muslim that's out there that hear the Mahdi to come to him, even if they were to crawl on ice, even if they were to get killed on the way, even if they were to, um, you know, be locked up in a box, mm -hmm. the narration state, they have to break free from that box and uh, come out and join him. All right. Because with him is the goodness and all of goodness. And with him are the angels and the prophets and the messengers. And with him is the spirit of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, shortcoming on that is to, is to basically like a, be an apostate. Um, to not have any faith whatsoever. And the narrations further stated that it's a divine obligation that when they do reach the Mahdi, that they, they support the Mahdi with everything that they have, uh, with all of their money, with all of their soul, with all of their might, with all of their ability, whatever talent that they have, they have an obligation, you know, every, with their children, with their wives, with everything, they have to, um, you know, offer it to this case because, um, you know, 
on this case rests the entire you know, future of humanity. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a struggle, a grand struggle between the forces of, of goodness and the forces of evil. And it is the Mahdi that, uh, you know, is mentioned in the narrations as slaughtering uh, Iblis. He's the one who eliminates, uh, he doesn't just eliminate the rule of Iblis, but he eliminates uh, Iblis himself as an entity. It's the end, it's the promised day mm -hmm. where Iblis said, grant me respite until the promised day. What's the promised day? It is the day that the Garden of Eden is established once again and the rulership and authority of God on the earth is, um, you know, established once again. So what happened was what? Doctor, is that is that if, you know, first God appoints Adam, all right? He tells the angels to prostrate. Iblis doesn't prostrate. prostrate. He refuses to. Right. And when he refuses to, um, you know, he asks, God's asking him, why are you not prostrating? He said, I'm better. I'm a better ruler. I'm, I'm a better uh, choice than, than Adam is. I'll never submit to his authority. Right. And then he asks God for time. He says, don't punish me now. Give me, uh, grant me respite until, you know, give me, give me, give me a break until, you know, because of all my good deeds that I did before, give me a break until, you know, that promised day. Well, what does a break mean for Iblis? The break means what? Not just that you're not going to get a punishment. It means that you get to rule. You go out there as a candidate and see how many of these people are going to follow you. And most of the people, they follow him. And he establishes a state that he is the head of. Right. But in the time of the Mahdi, his time is up. And so God changes from the time of Adam all the way to the Mahdi. Right. The spirit, which is in all of these prophets and messengers and righteous ones, is uh, facing the people by mercy. And that's why it says that the Prophet Muhammad, he went through the people with the white jifr or, uh, you know, he met, he faced the people with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful or the most merciful, the most intense in mercy, right? It was a message of peace. But mm -hmm. in the time of the Mahdi, uh, he's going to face them with the red, with, with the red jifr. With the with the Bismillah al-Qahar by God the One the Conqueror, this aspect will come forward. The Mahdi will say things as it is, and he will not fear anybody, and he will spread the twenty-seven uh, letters of knowledge, and he will bring forward that heavy oil, that heavy fruit that is not easy for most people to digest, that heavy spiritual knowledge. In fact, he will spread it amongst the people and, uh, and, and, you know, and rise with a group of people after that join him and travel to him after he had been preaching uh, in the land, the message of the supremacy of Allah. Once he starts, uh, uh, you know, Preaching this message, people come to him from all corners of the earth and the narrations the state that very few of the Arabs uh, support him, actually, uh, in comparison to the non-Arabs that are uh, all around the earth. Uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, many Christians uh, come and support him, many Jews come and support him, and many people that are spiritualists or agnostics or atheists or former criminals will all support um, the Mahdi and his message 
and uh, and build together a state uh, that will last uh, forever for all time and that will eventually be so attractive um, and so advanced and and so and so just that there won't be under his rule a single person who is in need and people feel like money is not worth anything anymore because they have such an abundance and there's nobody that is starving and that there's nobody that's and there's nobody that um you know is uh, you know could be classified as poor it's a it's a total just state it's a state of humanity all of these um, evil individuals uh, are eliminated and all of these evil laws that iblis has set into place and systems that allow for a single person to uh, you know amass uh, fortunes that are that are in the billions and billions while uh, another person you know can barely make ten thousand dollars a year or or or, or there's 25,000 children that are dying of starvation every day because the collective planet is not able to, to provide them with $1 a day mm-hmm. uh, each in order that they, they feed themselves or nourish themselves. So, Allah on the system of Satan and Iblis and, uh, and uh, the mission of the Mahdi is not an easy one and we're going to be focusing that in on that and zooming in on the narrative Generations, uh, you know, and and highlighting the duties and the obligations of the believers, and 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 seeing together and examining the kind of uh, events that are prophesized to happen um, in his time over the the course of the of the coming periods. Right. Yeah, I think the import of the Mahdi cannot be overemphasized, and it is the the final revolution where the divine state is at last after all these years of oppression is established and every Muslim has an obligation to to find them, to look for the Mahdi, find the Mahdi and give their allegiance to the Mahdi. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Thank you, Prasad.